Hello and welcome to the Open Revolution podcast. This is episode 8 as we continue to look at uh, James Smith's run as a candidate for the Member of Parliament for Horsham in the next general election under the Something New banner. How are you, James? I'm fine, thank you very much, Charlie. And uh, I guess you've been quite busy recently. You had a, a public meeting on Tuesday. Yes, it's been a, a busy week. Um, yeah, we had a, a public meeting on Tuesday, which is the first in the sort of continual series now. So I'm, I'm aiming to run one every week between now and the election. Okay. Uh, all around the constituency, um, going to different the different wards and skipping around the constituency. So trying to just an opportunity for people to come and say hello and sure. uh, you know share their ideas, their issues, and any questions they have. Really, so about being so you're going to be uh, cooking up a lot of air miles so. around. Tuesday, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Tuesdays are going to be busy, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, oh, so it's every Tuesday. And um, yeah. where's, where's next week then? So next week is in Billingshurst, which is um, a, a small town uh, just to the west of Horsham, um, sort of southwest. So it's uh, it's one of the larger towns outside Horsham in the constituency. But uh, yeah, it's it should be good. And can I ask, uh, what was the turnout like for for your last meeting? Uh, so the first one we had was um, it was quite a small turnout. It sure. was uh, it was very small. These things start with just a few people. Uh, yeah. We had. Uh, four of us in the room, mm-hmm. um, but it was really, really constructive. So there were lots of really good ideas were shared. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we did a lot of thinking about how we can get the message out there better and uh, and mm-hmm. things like that. So it was really, uh, it was really useful, and it was a good way uh, to to sort of start experimenting with the format as well. So sure. working out how to run a meeting like that is, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> a whole new thing. You need thing, a compare. So. You need a well. Yeah, I don't know. Not not at that size. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> you, you need some sort of a northerner with a beer belly and an attitude to <laughs> to call. This I think. I think. I don't know. I think I might actually be one of those. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I, I also saw that uh, you're on the lookout for um, volunteers to uh, help you with the campaign. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that's becoming. Uh, clear, I mean it was always going to be the case but it, it's getting more so um, is that there's a whole bunch of sort of uh, administration work and um, and extra work around, you know, beyond just being the candidate, there's, there's a, a lot of other things to do, you know, booking in all the venues all that kind of thing sure. um, and then of course being uh, the election agent actually uh, yeah. for the election, so you know, being there at the count and things like that, because as a candidate you need to be talking to people, you need to be uh, not having to deal with the admin, It's I, I kind of think of it like a, uh, you know, being a, a groom and a best man at the wedding, right, you know, you need somebody yes. who's going to take care of all the problems, yeah. so that you can, you know, dedicate yourself to the people you're supposed to be uh, paying attention to, so yeah, looking for a brave soul who wants to sort of come and do that campaign manager job. Sure. Um, and of course a lot of, you know, anyone who wants to volunteer locally as well. And is there is there something of a, is there a profile that a campaign manager has or is it just someone with free time and resources or is it... Probably um... that, yeah. Some, somebody <laughs> with time. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think, well, as a uh, as a person without the normal uh, candidate profile, I'm, I'm not sure I can say that there's a particular yes. profile or anything yeah. really. Um I don't know what I'm doing, so they probably don't need to either, and we'll learn Fair together. Enough. But um, also, we need you know people to get involved nationally as well. You know, other people sure. to stand in other places to to help out and, uh, and yeah. so on. So, the more the merrier. We've just come to the end of uh, conference season, and 
I have to say I didn't pay much attention to what was going on. Um, do uh, did you take any interest in the conferences? Um, not a huge amount, really. I think they're very much sort of you know political set pieces that don't really speak to people very much. They're obviously all you know starting their election campaigns. Um, there were a few interesting points. You know, there was uh, at the Lib Dem conference, um, Ed Davey was. Uh, uh, putting across a, a motion to drop their objection to airport expansion, which they previously objected to on environmental grounds, much as we do. Um, yeah. And he uh, he was uh, sort of quoted as saying, you know, you can imagine a time in the future where we'll be able to have zero carbon aviation, so we should mm. drop that objection. Um, you know, being able to vaguely imagine things that nobody thinks are on the horizon is, is quite an interesting way to... Uh, to make policy um, <laughs> you know I can imagine a whole bunch of things but it doesn't yeah. make it so so uh, yes. you know it, he seems to be the only one suggesting that this might be you know imminent nobody else seems to think so so uh, it's you know it, it's interesting there was obviously a lot of um, you know trying to placate the uh, the UKIP vote in advance of uh, of the by-elections yesterday and uh, yeah that appears to have not worked so <laughs> it'll be interesting I am um... Uh, yes, I was going to ask you. Obviously, uh, we saw that uh, UKIP had uh, an MP elected to Parliament yesterday. Mm-hmm. You have any reaction to that? Uh, the the reasonably obvious one, I suppose. I think it's a it's a step in the wrong direction um, sure. for the uh, for the country, but it does show that a lot of people want something different. Um, but did I? But very, I did see he, he uh, did he get a, a twelve thousand vote majority? Or was twelve thousand? Yeah, twelve thousand majority, twenty one thousand votes. So he more than he had more than double the. Is that right? Yeah, but, more, than, more than double the Conservatives. Yeah. But 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 doesn't that go some way to showing that uh, you, you you know fair enough you disagree with the policies, but they're clearly doing something right then, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They're attracting a lot of people because they are. Not the establishment. Sorry, <laughs> they're seen as not the establishment. Sure. Um, I would take issue with that. I think they're very, uh, very much part of the status quo. But um, you know, they're seen as a. You know, a, a lot of people do agree with them. That's that's democracy. That's fine. You know, it's not just for people that I like. It's for people that I don't like as well. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who are going to UKIP. Uh, who are going there because they're almost a sort of legitimate protest vote. They're a protest vote that actually might do something. Mm. Um, mm. And I think those people need... Uh, they're, they're, there are plenty of people who say, we're gonna, you know, I'm going to vote for UKIP, but I don't necessarily agree with what they say, but I like the way they say it, I, which is kind of odd. Um, yeah. I'd rather people had options that they you know, felt could do something and that they actually liked. Uh, rather than just, you know, it, it's very much a, a sort of vote against. But uh, you know, they have, they have this sort of very, uh, the very easy um, populist message of, uh, you know, of, you know, a little bit of politics of hate, and and it's you know, it's not very nice. I find it quite unpleasant, and it's, uh, I'm. It's like um li- liking a misogynist rapper's mu- you know songs, but just saying oh I don't like the lyrics, I just like the music. Yeah, in a way, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good analogy actually. Yeah. <laughs> except you know, except then that person actually gets to come around and do the things that they say uh, <laughs> to to people that you uh, people that you love. So that's not so good. Um, no. <laughs> also, I don't can't think of any rappers who've actually done that just before. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, uh, the, the main topic of uh, this week's podcast is the next uh, item on your manifesto is the uh, it's education. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's one of the parts of the manifesto which presumably you're you're looking to sort of uh, put in a bit more detail. But there are some there are some very detailed um, items under that uh, topic. Um, I think the the first thing that I just wanted to get your take on, and this probably doesn't really relate to education in and of itself much more a societal thing is that there's a very explicit demand for secularism in schools and I mean I don't think I'm I'll shock anyone if I were to out you as a as an atheist <laughs> um, um, but um, is that the best focus of um, of government when there are many other dishes uh, plates to keep on spinning um, you know that it's not like we're we're not like in the states where they have a you know where where they you have to teach creationism mm. um, it, as well as the science <laughs> you know it's yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to teach the controversy in the in the states you know we're we're not I I imagine in, in you know the the vast majority of English schools that's not an issue um, are there not sort of bigger fish to fry or is that just you know that's something you you're clearly you, you have a, a somewhat of a passion about that specific topic, so it's easy for you to detail the, the something you posture on that particular point. Um, yeah, in, in a way. Um, there have been issues um, around uh, the teaching of, uh, of creationism in, in free schools, particularly. Um, I believe that's now not allowed. Uh, the teaching of creationism as science um, isn't allowed now. Um, so some of that's been dealt with. But we have had some issues uh, around there. The um, yes, as you say, I I am an atheist. I've absolutely no uh, problem with saying that. Unlike many politicians who would try and keep that kind of thing quiet, um, it's but that's really not what this comes down to. This doesn't come down to personal preference. And actually, the the stuff about secular schools here is more of a um, an addition onto a more general point around uh, separation of church and state. And around secularism in government generally, um, and in you know public services. So at the moment we have a head of state who's also the head of the church. We have uh, bishops appointed to the House of Lords, and you know there's quite a strong connection between uh, the church and the state here in the UK. Um, but we are a country that is becoming increasingly secular. Um, I have no problem with religion. Um, people have. You know, basic human right is freedom of religion. You can have whatever religion you like. Um, but I don't think it's the state's job to promote a particular religion. And, you know, separation of church and state is something that was one of the founding principles of the US. It's kind of been forgotten about in a way. Um, and they've, they've sort of been... They've, they've had, a, uh, had a backlash. But I think it's something that we should try to, uh, try to aim for, mainly because it's... You know, religion is a... A personal choice. It's a you know, it's a matter for your own decision and your own conscience. And I don't think it's the state or any kind of public uh, sector uh, thing should be uh, trying to impact that. And, and what's your what's your sort of beef with uh, religion in schools specifically? And um, you talk about sort of the wider public space, but. You know, we're, we're talking about education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, if I remember correct, correctly, one of the schools I went to was a Church of England primary school, and actually, that's the school 
I think the seventh or eighth on the list that actually ended up teaching me how to read and write. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm I, I'm uh, not particularly religious in any particular way, but uh, I, I'm grateful that I can read and write thanks to the Church of England school I went to. Is that so bad? Um, no, not at all. Um, I think you know you're grateful you can read and write because of the school that you went to, not because of the Church of England school that you went to. <laughs> I think the fact that it sure. was Church of England school is probably irrelevant. But my point is, um, is that I, I'm agnostic as to sure. what what was behind that. You know, yeah, and yeah. Sh- surely they're doing a good job, irrespective of the fact that they're a bit religious. Absolutely, and and you know, it's just I think the religious nature of a school is you know is not really relevant to what it's doing education-wise. You know, if a school is including religion in your reading and writing lessons, then that's probably a little bit worrying. Um, I think it's more the fact that it's a point at which um, you're promoting something to children at a very impressionable age. Um, it's an extremely formative uh, period of people's lives. I mean, I was. Technically, you know, I've I've always been to schools that were um, Christian in nature. We always had hymns in assembly, uh, you know, in secondary school. If you remember, we had, uh, oh, yeah. you know, chapel service once a week and uh, and things like that. It's um, and so I grew up uh, in that uh, tradition. I grew up as you know, I'd assumed that I was a Christian, um, and it wasn't until I reached sort of 16, 17, then I thought, actually, hold on, I don't really, I don't really need that. Um, and it's about, it's about giving children, I think, the, the freedom to explore those things for themselves. Um, and there is no problem with parents taking their children to church on a Sunday, sending them to Sunday school, things like that. That's great. Do that um, for whatever religion you want to teach them about. Um, I think in schools should be a much more neutral territory uh, for something that isn't, you know, we were a country that was, you know, at one point all Catholic or all Christian or something yeah. like that. We're not that place anymore. We're a country where there are a mixture of religions, mixture of cultures, and we need to, children need to be learning about those, about all the different religions, um, about what they say about the world and about... Um, you know, ethics in general and about uh, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, an often stated argument is, you know, because you're an atheist, you have no, uh, you obviously have no moral code, which is quite, uh, <laughs> which is quite easily refuted by anybody yeah. who's, a, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, you know, a, a great quote, which is, uh, I can't remember who said it now, but, you know, as, as an atheist, what stops you going out and killing everyone you feel like killing? And um, the answer is, well, nothing. I do kill all the people that I feel like killing, and that's no one. What's wrong with you? It's <laughs> <laughs> these weird, weird kind of. Uh... I suppose yes. If you spent any time watching uh, Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens debate online on YouTube, then you know they've got they've wonderful reactions to uh, that sort of premise. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not the kind of the uh, the militant atheist that's going to try and yes. uh, try and. Uh, you know, tell everybody else they're delusional. But I, I, I quite, you know, you believe whatever you want. That's fine. But I think that, I think that schools should be a neutral territory in in that sense, um, and that the public sphere in general, and and like I say, this does come out of the the, the wider aspect of secularism in in government and in in the public sphere uh, generally. That that should be a, um, it's a matter for individual conscience. It's not a matter for the state. 
So to summarise, you want to ban Christmas. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> God damn it! No. <laughs> oh, God damn it! Now, well, so you, you changed your well, tune. Well, you know, um, I can't. I can I can't help my upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> but the other um, part of um, uh, the uh, education part of the manifesto that I'd like to talk about quickly is is you, you talk about free university tuition, which I mm-hmm. think. Um, I, I can't speak for yourself, I think I, I benefited from free university tuition, my yeah, sister didn't, yeah. um, uh, and you know, I don't think uh, either one of us would say that that's a bad idea, um, I think you know, it's, it's just a sensible investment, as I think you, you, your manifesto um, explicitly states, it's, it's just a very sensible investment in the future of the country. Yeah. Um, I, I think though what slightly uh, I was curious that that was the focus of uh, because let's say it's a x billion pound investment in you know each succeeding uh, generation um, that's money that's got to come from somewhere yeah. um, you know f- 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 whatever was paying for it before isn't there now so hence the people do have to pay tuition fees and get student loans and all of this stuff um, so you then, your manifesto then says, well, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to reintroduce this. We're going to have to find the money from somewhere. We'll, you know, close loopholes, tax loopholes, or whatever it is, or we'll 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 tax the super rich, or, or something like mm-hmm. that, or we'll sell whales, or something like that. <laughs> um, and we're then going to take this tranche of revenue and direct it at um, university education. I think. What strikes me about that is, is that that's that's a, you know, I don't think anyone would argue that that wouldn't be great for people going to university. There is a massive amount of research um, and um, evidence to show that actually one of the best investments you can make for a society, but at an educational level, is preschool and then primary school and doing yeah. it, yeah. you know, approaching it from that angle. Uh, I guess my question is. Are you going to do both at the same time? Are you going to do university first and then work on preschool? Um, I mean, because none of this stuff is free, of course. Um, but but my, my my understanding, if I've read the research correctly, is that the the greatest societal dividends um, are when you do invest very heavily at that very early stage in the child's development. And I just wanted to know what you thought about that, if you indeed agreed, but um, if that was if that's something you're going to approach as well or how you felt about that um yeah that's really interesting um i suspect that's you know that seems like it's probably right for me and uh um yeah that's something we should have the great thing about uh open source manifestos is i can say you should add that <laughs> <laughs> um yes. yeah i mean you know early intervention yeah it's um it's really important and Making sure there are enough uh, preschool and primary school places. I mean, you know, there there, there are there's a shortage of primary school places even, um, and that's that's a really bad thing. Um, that's really really important as well. And so yes, absolutely, it's it's uh, it's that uh, it needs that whole spectrum approach. One thing about the education policy generally is that we have shied away from trying to produce a kind of complete overview of the whole thing because none of us are educators and education policy too often uh, in fact almost always gets written by um, people who aren't educators you know you have uh, interference from 
secretaries of state who happened to you know be qualified to talk about education because they were once a times journalist and wrote about it and in, you know that's not really uh it's not really good enough so i'd really we really want to have people who who know education who understand um how that all works to design sensible education policy and then to implement it in a sensible way as well you know the way we roll out education changes is absolutely terrible we do it all at once and it's impossible to measure the differences until after the person who's done it is out of office and even yeah. then it's a bit vague we can be much more structured about it um about actually you know testing things out seeing what works uh and um you know being a bit more rational about uh, about education policy because it's incredibly important I think that's very interesting that you raise that in, in that way, actually, because one of the things about education is that it is it's a football that gets kicked around, much like the NHS, um, because you you know any um, government in power needs to show results before, within that election cycle, and of course, an education at the very least should be sort of you know between the ages of five and sixteen. And that's, you know, effectively two election cycles. And even then, you're, you've got ramping up to do if you want to make a big change, you know, system-wide. Is there a way of re-incentivising the decision-makers, the politicians, to... And this doesn't necessarily just go for, for education, but, but to incentivise them to commit to long-term projects that won't show dividends, that will be will accrue to their political benefit within an election cycle or two election cycles? How, how, is, there, is there an approach to doing that? Is there a... I think that's a really good question, and it impacts a lot of things, not just uh, changes in public services, but what, how do you deal with issues that are longer term than an election cycle? So, you know, um, absolutely, in education, uh, changes in health service, uh, elderly, uh, elderly care, pensions, all these things are, are slow moving and, you know, even um, problems like climate change, you know, this is something that we're going to have to deal with and it's not going to be, somebody's going to have to make the hard decision in their election cycle to do something and then when it helps 20 years down the line, <laughs> it's, you know, they may not get re-elected but they, yeah. they'll be, um, you know, they'd have done the right thing for 20 years down the line and working out how we do that is... Um, that's a political really calculation that's simply not made. Though, exactly. No, absolutely it, not. It doesn't matter, no. and, and that, that's no. that's all over the place. The only the only place where that really can possibly happen is when you have a benign dictatorship, and I don't know any of those that exist. I mean, yeah, yeah. What, what, how can you impact the in incentive? Uh, and because I suppose the other, the flip side of that is well, the reason that they need to do that is because the electorate need to see something to vote for. So yeah, surely I mean, part we, of it is is, is educating. The electorate, so they understand yeah. that things are longer yes. term than. Yeah, than absolutely, and that's you know that's government's job to uh, to get those messages across and show what needs to be done in a in a sensible way. Um, you know, not just uh, seeing what's in the headline in the morning, reacting to it to get a better headline the next day, and then suddenly the news cycle moves on, um, which all seems to be you know we we're not even operating on election cycles. We're offering we're operating on, you know, on the twenty four hour news cycle. And so making any kind of long-term decision in a rational way seems very, very difficult because they're always reacting um, to whatever's going on. It's a tricky thing. There may be uh, ways of doing it that involve taking some of those decisions away from 
ministers, for instance, or some of that day-to-day, -day, it's not really day-to-day -day control, but that sort of direct control away. So if you can set up, say, think, you know, in terms of education or something, you know, should the Secretary of State for Education really be able to make direct interventions in uh, the way that children are educated and in on that short time scale? Um, or should it be they can set a direction for some other, uh, you know, some semi-independent organisation which which looks after that? It, it's so it's sort of like a BBC you know, it, Trust, but for, it, for yeah, education. The, yeah, perhaps yeah, yes, exactly. BBC, BBC Trust is quite a good example actually because they're um, you know fully separate from from the government, but they do have the government has sort of the uh, some influence over them and this sort of ten year review of you know what's uh, What's uh, what's going on? But it's an independent body, and and that kind of model is quite interesting. I think for some things that you know need to operate on longer cycles. Um, well, thank you very much for that. We're going to end as we always do on our softball trivia question, where we try to alienate another part of the electorate from you. <laughs> That's uh, what I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask you. What's your favourite football team? My favourite football team. Yeah. Oh, good God! I have absolutely no idea. I'm never been that into football. See, so you go, I knew that. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, I know. I've that's never been down a record for hating the nation's <laughs> favourite pastime. No, no, no. Can, can I have the England rugby team as my favourite? The that's... England rugby team as your yeah. favourite football team. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of right-ish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, scholars will be dominating that for years to come. Um, so, uh, just uh, remind us, you've got a, another public meeting next Tuesday, which would be the 14th? 14th, sounds about right, yes. And where is that? And that's in Billingshurst. Billingshurst. And have you got a uh, time? Uh, it's 7.30 on the uh, on the Tuesday, and the details are on the Something New, uh, okay. the uh, the website and on which the Facebook is, page. Which is uh, horsham.somethingnew.org.uk or facebook.com forward slash somethingnewhorsham. And you can uh, look at the manifesto at openpolitics.org.uk. If you have any questions uh, for James for the next uh, or future podcasts, then please send them to at floppy with hashtag openhorsham. Uh, but for now, thank you very much, James. Thank you. And I'll speak to you next time.